What's going on, Bengals fans? Welcome back to Drive High All Day. Blake Jude back at it again, joining alongside me with my best friend, one of my best friends, uh, William James. How you doing, man? You had it right the first time. I- I'm simply superior. But, you know, Blake, I'm doing good. It's been a while since we've done a podcast. Nice to sit back, talk some Bengals, just relax. Oh, you know it. It's been a... Uh... Been a, been a kind of a hiatus for us. We've had a couple of test runs with podcasts that haven't really worked out lately. Not going to lie to you, but uh, we're here, and that's all that matters now. We should be able to recap what has happened uh, this offseason for the Cincinnati Bengals, of course. Uh, I know everyone's coming off of a very disappointing Super Bowl loss, but we cannot deny the amazing season the Cincinnati Bengals had. It was very exciting, of course, uh, and it was really fun to do at least the first half of the season <laughs> on podcasts, but hopefully we can continue it up this time and get through the offseason season and potentially the entirety of next season as well that's what we're hoping at least so let's see what we can do of course but we're first off we're going to recap free agency because we just missed an entire massive period of free agency with a lot of different crazy moves happening a lot of quarterbacks moving around the league this year that's kind of surprising everyone we got a couple of big time players especially receivers leaving their team, Devontae Adams, uh, Tyree Kill. But, of course, this is a Bengals podcast, and we talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. So we're going to recap all the signings in free agency this year for the Bengals, both re-signings and outside signings, and potentially some options of what's still out there and what we could actually still be going for uh, potentially in the future. So let's go ahead and get started, Will. We're going to go and recap all the signings that have been made pretty much this entire offseason period, not just free agency, uh, because I want to kind of discuss all the moves the Bengals have made so far this offseason and kind of get us like a, a good refresher of what's already happened before we start getting the draft talk hopefully which i think we're both really excited for so first off wide receiver trent taylor signed to a one-year minimum deal of course going to probably be a a competitor for the punt returner kick returner job uh this seems like a pretty you know mild move Cincinnati's making probably just trying to get an an extra guy a a set of receivers out there so we can go ahead and i just want to talk about him real quick but it doesn't really matter much you know trent taylor brought me a sense of relief after the traumatization that was that Broncos game, not Broncos game, uh, 49ers game. Well, we fumbled like what three punts, something like that. He, he brought me such a, a, a gracious relief that every time I looked at him, I was like, you know what? Just don't drop the ball, Trent. And he didn't drop the ball. So one year back, you know, he's going to compete for the punting job. Like you said, um, I'm cool with it. You know, somebody decides to fumble, just stick Trent back there and he's got it for us. So, like I said, not a big signing, but it's one I'm, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with. I'm cool with it. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of these smaller signings this year. This has been, you know, uh, we'll talk about the bigger signings, of course. Those, those will probably be our main focal points, obviously, through this podcast. But, uh, you know, overall, I mean, a lot of small moves made by Cincy this offseason. Moves that maybe uh, haven't really kind of shown up much with, with reporters and things like that. But are, still are some pretty important moves. A lot of wide receivers have been re-signed uh, and this year. And a couple of cornerbacks as well, including Jalen Davis, the backup nickel corner for the Cincinnati Bengals, of course, uh, has re-signed with it team he was a guy this year that really didn't get a lot of playing time but was still able to go out there and, and be I, I would say you know pretty solid in his backup job to Mike Hilton I thought you know Jalen Davis had some good games and I think overall I mean he's not going to be a, a starter by any means for your team but I think he's a reliable maybe cornerback six option I think a good special teamer he's been a solid uh solid backup for the Bengals another one year minimum deal coming back to Cincinnati for another year hopefully of, of being on the roster yeah with these backup quarters um all you ask them is just don't be a massive liability. That's it. If you're just not a massive liability on the field, because you're not going to be on the field for long, you're back in the corner, ideally. Um, as long as you're just not a huge liability, you're cool. You know, we're cooling. Um, not the back of the corner I want to bring back. I also like to bring back Trey Flowers, but we'll get into that later. But not liability as a backup, depth, cheap, continuing, c- continuity? Is that the word? C- continuity? Continuity. That's the one. Um, so I'm cool with it. Yeah, and and uh, those are pretty much the smaller signings. Those are the things that happened before free agency. Before we get into really the the I like to call it the meat potatoes of what has happened so far. And this is really where our big you know step of news comes in. The glass eaters. Uh, yeah, a, a really good conversation I, I think starts up now where 
uh, right before free agency hit, of course, Cincinnati officially franchise tags Jesse Bates. Now, we had a lot of conversations on this podcast over Jesse Bates and the situation with him being re-signed. Uh, kind of came up almost every single week we were recording one of these podcasts. So let's talk about this real quick because I think this is very interesting uh, a topic, of course. So, you know, Bates does not get the deal he was hoping for. Cincinnati does not get the deal they were hoping for, obviously. They compromise, do an extra one-year, $13 million deal, basically franchise tag that will basically take Jesse Bates's, uh, you know, cap situation and, and or resigning situation and toss it down another season, which uh, kind of sucks, of course. You never want that if you're a Bengals fan or Jesse Bates himself. But at the same time, it's going to give the, both sides extra time to be able to agree to a deal. What are your thoughts on the franchise tag? They do possibly save some cap space in this. You know, it's possible that you're going to pay Jesse Bates quite a bit year one and, and maybe make it to where it was a little bit less down the line. Uh, I think that's what Jesse Bates was wanting, at least in my eyes. So good chance that we saved a little bit of cap space. Maybe maybe some other moves possible by just giving Jesse Bates a franchise tag. But what are your thoughts on the move? Do you think it was the smartest idea? Would you rather have just got him locked down? What are your thoughts? You know, I really would rather just got him locked down, but I just don't think that was an option within a timely manner. Um, Here's the thing with Bates, right, in this whole franchise tag situation. If you're a fan, right, and obviously if you're a player, it sucks, too. But if you're a fan, franchise tags suck. Because all it is is you're postponing your stress. You're postponing, you know, worrying about, oh, we're going to get him back. You know, it's procrastination, basically. That's all it is. And it's even worse where, at least in my opinion, both sides have, like, a stand on, right? If I'm the Bengals, right, and I see Bates had a quite mediocre regular season, especially compared to last year, Maybe I don't want to give them all this, you know, massive baggage of funds that we call a salary cap, right? Um, but if I'm Jesse Bates and I'm his agent, I'm looking at that playoff run where he had two huge plays. Like, it's like every game, there's two huge Jesse Bates plays. I'm like, hold on. Without Jesse Bates, you probably don't go to the Super Bowl. Give my boy his bag. So I see that. And I'm sure Bates sees that. The Bengals see that. And it just makes the whole thing confusing because they both have a – Pretty credible leg to stand on, if you're asking me. Um, I mean, I also in the past, I've paid Bates $20 million. I kind of want to backtrack that statement. But, I mean, eight, 18 mil. I'll give him 18 mil. I'll give it to him. Um, yeah, I'm just I, – I, I heard the big deep breath sigh. I'm sure you're just – Fully with that number. No, I mean, I no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with the number or anything like that. But this is, I mean, it's a big contract for a safety. Player. I know, I know. He's a safety. I don't know. You know, had we sucked last year and Cal Hamilton was an option, I'd be found that we've discussed that in private on numerous occasions. But I gave a lot of money for a safety, but I, I don't know, man. It's like showing the team that you're willing to give guys up some some significant money that you develop. I just feel like that goes a long way. Is he worth 18 mil? Likely not. But for what it does for the team in general, just total, despite the fact that he's good, just beyond that, I think 18 mil is worth it. I know it's a lot of money. Positional value might not be there, but I, I just feel like the, the signal it shows to the team, I, I just think it's worth it. I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame, because this does make, make me want to ask you, I think, an important question that – I think could actually be an argument of being a possibility for the Cincinnati Bengals come draft time next month, of course. And that is what are the chances since Cincinnati goes out and maybe looks at drafting a safety this year and seeing if he's able to compete and eventually assume the spot of Jesse based down the line. Now I'm not saying that that's going to be the case 100%, but as we know, Cincinnati safety, Ricardo Allen has already retired this year and has gone to the Miami Dolphins as a, as a, as a uh, some sort of coordinator for their team, I believe. So they're already down one safety. They can use a better backup right now and, potentially getting a guy behind Bates to maybe try to maybe assume that role later on. You know, we did see this with Jesse Bates and George Iloka at one point. What are your thoughts on maybe trying to look towards the draft, maybe maybe find a replacement if they can't really afford him? Because keep in mind, if you're paying Jesse Bates $18, 19000000 million, that's really going to affect the contracts down the line. You're going to get like T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, oh, course, who are all getting big contracts. I mean, yeah. You're going to pay Bates they all 18, mil for four <laughs> years in a row. And if you get those other three guys, really big guys to resign. Uh, they are going to big contract on they Blake. They are going to get a quite the large extension. It's something I'm already concerned about. Um, So – uh, it it defines on I mean it depends on what you define as compete right well not compete but you know mold into a starter right I think whether we franchise tag Bates or extended him or did he just skedaddle period it really wouldn't have mattered I still think due to the Carl Allen thing we probably would have drafted a safety now the 
you know, day two pick or anything like that. But, you know, maybe what day three, early day three, you know, you, you look at safety. But with the whole Bates thing, right, I, I just – I don't know if I see a safety, you know, a, a backup maybe starting at your safety as more of a need as a tight end or a, a guard or a corner, you know. And obviously, if, if you get good value, right, like say Jaquan Briscoe, say from Penn State, I like him a lot. If he's there in the second round and it's either him or Isaiah Likely, I, I like the uh, value with Briscoe more there, right, just due to the, the player. But if we're assuming there's no, like, big value picks and everyone's on an even playing field with the skill, I'm definitely taking the previously mentioned tight end corner guard over a safety. Now, could the Bengals go that way? Sure, they definitely could. However, of course, you, you know people that know people. I don't know people that know people. Um, I personally just think the Bengals would look more towards a corner of anything else than safety due to the cornerback two something Eli Apple. And that, that's not sorry, Eli Apple. But I, I think the cornerback two would be – Saw the upgrade in the first two rounds, not even just the first round, second round, too. Yeah, and, and we'll talk about team needs and what Cincinnati's going to be looking at taking in the draft, uh, you know, a little bit after when we get, once we get through the free agents. But I definitely think it's going to be a fun conversation to have because, you know, I don't really think a lot of people were expecting the Bengals to go hard for a safety the, the, the year they drafted Jesse Bates round two, of course. I think mm-hmm. there was other needs on the table. No one really thought safety was a big need with George Iloka there at free safety, of course. They draft Jesse Bates. Of course, they cut George Iloka that same camp. And all of a sudden, we have a star safety on our hands, right? I'm not saying it's going to be the exact same scenario because Jesse Bates is a great player. Of course, you want to keep him. But in terms of salary cap and what we're kind of seeing from this happening, I mean, if, if you draft a safety that can at least be a third safety, you could still get a Bates signing redone. Even if you try to safety round three, right? I definitely think it's still a possibility. Um, but at the same time, I mean, if you can get a guy like Brisker, like you said, who can play in the box, who can play free safety, you know, that, that makes it to where there's a lot of versatility there. If Bates goes, you got a replacement. If maybe if you want to, if you feel like Von Bell can eventually go down the line, maybe you put Brisker next to Bates instead. I think there's a lot of different options that are possible if Cincinnati goes to safety uh, this draft. So I'm not saying it's going to be something that happens. I definitely agree with you. I think there's other bigger needs down, down the line right now. Corner, of course, defensive tackle. We'll get into the rest of that after this. But that's definitely still a, a big conversation I think we should start having because there's going to be a lot of good safeties on the board that I'm going to be pretty tempted with because I think it's a really nice safety class. I love Jalen Petre from Baylor. I really like Daxton Hill from Michigan. I He's love so Jaquan Brisker from Penn State. There's a lot of guys out there that are really, really nice. I mean, maybe are they Jesse Bates good? Probably not, right? But they're definitely going to be good free safeties, strong safeties. I really think it's going to be a fun class. They're a good so. bit cheaper too. <laughs> In my eyes, if you're if you're looking at you know Jesse Bates this last season as, as him as a Bengal, you know we're looking at safety. This draft would make a lot of sense, but we'll see first. I, I still think there's possibly some other moves that they can possibly make, maybe even free agency to make it where there's less needs and you're able to have more of a more of a center draft around certain positions. I think so. Let's go and get on to the next signing. The Bengals really had kind of a another smaller signing here, linebacker Joe Bocci. So a minimum deal. A guy that I really, really like as a Bengal actually came in and played some really good minutes. <clears throat> I remember watching him uh, play uh, against Los Angeles in person, actually uh, was really impressed. He ended up getting hurt that game, I believe in the special teams. And um, I, think, I believe that's where he tore his ACL and had to have surgery. So, um, you know, I, I think that he's doing a lot better progression right now. And since now he wants him back, it's potentially at linebacker five, linebacker six on this team that could really be a good replacement never needed. Yeah, I, I, I'm quite the Joe Bocci fan. He really won me over this season. I did not like Joe Bocci for the season. I just was indifferent on him. You know, I, I don't wake up and think about my thoughts on Joe Bocci. But like you said, when Logan Wilson went down, he, he definitely he definitely played some solid solid uh, solid minutes. Was he Logan Wilson? No, he wasn't. But you know, for the backup to Logan Wilson, he, he, you know, in terms of what they do, he, I mean, he he was he was pretty solid at it. You know, and it's where of course Jermaine Pratt had the green sticker. Joe Bacho was not there calling plays like Logan was, but I mean, he, he was pretty good. You know, I think him, Logan Wilson, we look at how, how they play and what they do well, they're pretty similar. And, you know, I didn't really notice a huge drop off when Logan Wilson got hurt. So, I, how, how is it a one-year deal? Yes. Yeah, I'm cool bringing Bocci back. If he doesn't look great off his torn ACL, you know, you just drop him, just not be sounding next year. And that's that, but I like the signing. I, I, I've become quite the Joe Bocci fan in the last, like, three, four months. This linebacker room has really just kind of came out of nowhere and surprised us. You know, I, I really think you're looking at three years ago, Cincinnati had one of the worst linebacker rooms in the NFL. I don't think it was really debatable. Jordan Evans. 
uh, it was a, it was a really bad group of, or I wouldn't say terrible, but I mean, you know, Nick Mitchell was your best guy back there. It's never really an ideal linebacker room, whenever that's the case, of course. And uh, it was pretty rough, right? There's a lot of different guys switching over from middle linebacker, of course. Uh, Bengals never really had a really reliable third guy. Though Vinny Ray for a long time was playing that uh, third linebacker position. That's never ideal either. Jordan Evans as well was playing in that third linebacker position. You really don't like that. So for several years, there was not a really good linebacker core in Cincinnati. And now you look at the linebacker core. You, you look at Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt being two starters who really broke out this season, especially in the playoffs, both of them having huge plays in the playoffs and really led the Bengals to a Super Bowl uh, this year. Um, and, and, of course, you look at guys like Akeem Davis-Gaither who's coming back from an injury, had a pretty good season until he was, he was injured. I think he's a very, very good in coverage. Could be that linebacker guy. Or could be a, or sorry, a guy that covers the top in that linebacker that would be very ideal he's very very good in coverage has that edge versatility get pass to rush the passer as well and you guys you guys like marcus bailey and clay johnston who also broke out this season in my eyes i was really impressed with marcus bailey's play really came in was uh, a great great player whenever both uh jermaine pratt logan wilson Couple of those guys got hurt throughout the season. He came in and played really good minutes, uh, especially in the goal line. I was really, was really impressed with him. And then like Clay Johnston also came in and had a couple of really big plays in the playoffs as well. This is a really complete core of linebackers right now. I'm really interested to see what they do, if they're going to add anyone in the draft maybe. I'm not too sure. But kind of feels like this position is almost short up with the top kind of five, six guys there right now. You know, there are some things like this linebacker core that just makes me like look in hindsight like, bro, like I'll – GMs, we don't have a gym, but you know, fun officers just tend to know what they're doing, right? Like this offseason, Duke Tobin. Uh, yeah, Duke Tobin. I was just screaming that we need a vet. Bring back Josh Bynes, get a vet. These guys are young, they might need some assistance. And they just didn't bring in anybody, and they, they were just fine. They completely exceeded all my expectations. I'm, I'm so happy this, this core is good because I know people talk about in general that linebackers, you know, Definitely on the bottom tier positional value. And sure, they might be. You might, you might have a point there. But just the, the guys in the middle that are, you know, being the QBs of your defense, like those those are important individuals. And just have, having just, like I said, it's, it's been pretty rough the last few years, right? Um, But just finally having some peace and some depth and some young talent, young keyword there, it, it, it's it's perfect. I love it so much. It's, it's just so fun just watching a good Bengals collected defense every single week besides the Browns game, and the Jets game. I, I enjoy it. While we're at it with, with Joe Bodge, just go ahead and list the rest of the minimum deals handed out to other free agents and just kind of group them all in one. Cause I'm not really sure how long we can talk about Michael Thomas or Mike Thomas. The league overall. Breakers, both so, Mike yeah. Thomas's. Of course, the GOAT long snapper Clark Harris comes back for a one-year deal. Michael Thomas, the safety, who the Bengals signed last season, in the middle of the season, came in and kind of played some minutes as a strong safety, uh, comes in on a one-year deal as well, comes back to Cincinnati. Uh, the other Mike Thomas, the other Michael Thomas on the team at wide receiver, also resigns a one-year deal. Uh, the Bengals lock back, uh, you know, a backup quarterback, quarter, uh, Brandon Allen, of course, to a one-year minimum deal as well. Um, nose tackle Josh Chupau comes in on a two-year minimum deal. Uh, Eli Apple, the cornerback uh, two for the Cincinnati last season, uh, and somehow a Super Bowl, uh, you know, playing quarter, cornerback, cornerback two comes back on a one-year $4 million deal. Trent Irwin comes back on a one-year minimum deal at wide receiver. And, of course, Stanley Morgan Jr., a fan favorite of the host of this podcast, uh, comes back for a two-year minimum deal as well. So a um, couple of really key signings there Cincinnati. Many special teams guys. You've got the Michael Thomas, Mike Thomas, Stanley Morgan, really good special teamers. you got Trent Taylor, of course, that we just mentioned as a returner. Trent Irwin's got some special teams experience. Um, you know, and, and a couple of other key pieces there, too. I think Josh Chupal is a big piece, of course. I already mentioned Stanley Morgan as well one of the best blocking wide receivers in the league in my eyes right now. Um, a couple of really, really good signings that are, are smaller and won't be recognized as much throughout this free agency period, but should still definitely be noted. You know, I, I'm, I'm pretty much indifferent on most of these, except for either two or three in particular. Stanley Morgan, I like that one a lot. I have a little bit extra attention towards that one. Eli Apple is a, a, a whole situation. that I, I, I don't know where to start <laughs> on Eli Apple. But he, he played good, so I, I'm, I'm cool to have him back. And there's one I must talk down on negatively, and this is no slight to Josh Tupal. But when I tell you I was so upset to see that I was going to get some more Tyler Shelvin snaps, I was crushed. I was devastated. I've been hyping up Tyler Shelvin since we drafted him. 
I thought I thought this was the year he's gonna get some run. And then he resigned to not a one year, but a two year deal. Since he what are we we got the best gap filling you've ever seen in the in the middle. Let him fill the gaps. Come on. Let's let's let him just make go on situations horrible. But I I mean, I I know you're a big Josh Chupal guy. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I don't dislike Josh Chupal. I, I don't think he's a bad player or anything. But from a Tyler Chauvin fan, I'm quite disappointed, I must admit. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really not going to count out Tyler Shelvin just yet, right? Fourth yeah, that would be the worst pick. mistake you ever make, Blake, I'm telling you. Fourth round pick out of LSU, of course. Big, big, big guy. Uh, he's a large dude. He big, fills big, the big. gaps, multiple gaps, one might say. Yeah, he's a big dude. Uh, he can still definitely be a very good backup to DJ Reader uh, down the line. I'm not going to count that out. I think Josh Chupel has the ability to play other positions. He can play the five-tech. He can play the three-tech if need be. He's not a pass rusher really at all, mainly a run-stopper, kind of like how DJ Reader and Tyler Shelvin are. Um, but he can play the other, those other positions. He's not as big as those guys. He can he doesn't have to fill the one gap the entire game. So there is two a, gaps. There is a there is a good chance that maybe Tyler Shelvin still does get play, uh, and even then, you know, we've seen Bengals in the past sign some guys to a two three year deal. You look at Jocks Patrick, of course, their former running back who is now on the 49ers, of course, signed a three year deal with Cincinnati out of nowhere, and of course was cut that same offseason. So I'm not going to leave out the idea of maybe Josh Chappell being cut in favor of Tyler Shelvin if it comes around to it. I just really think it all depends on, of course, how he performs in the training camp and when Cincinnati sees Tyler Shelvin being down the line. So that'll be, of course, uh, an interesting interesting thing to look at i still think there's still a pretty desirable needed defensive tackle though uh we'll talk about one of the signings the Bengals made one of the big bigger signings this offseason that i liked a lot but they still need some better backup play in my opinion there before i'm really confident in that position being filled uh both about eli apple real quick this is, a, this is another good conversation you mentioned it earlier cornerback two is still a major need for this team even with eli apple returning one year four million dollar deal that's really what you kind of see from backup cornerback play right you kind of see that mm-hmm. mainly the cornerback four of your team they're making around four or five a season, I would say. Um, so you can probably expect Eli Apple to be the primary backup this season, at least we hope. The question is, who's going to be the other starter apart from Chidobe Awushie? That's the biggest question right now. Um, Cincinnati has not really been in contact with any cornerbacks that I know. There's a lot of rumors out there about Stephon Gilmore. Don't believe any of that, uh, at least right now. So I wouldn't put my money on any of that happening. But I definitely think Cincinnati is going to be in the market for a cornerback, whether it is in free agency or the draft. I lean towards the draft. So what are your thoughts? Who, who do you think is a good target Cincinnati go for a cornerback this offseason? And do you think Eli Apple can fit the role of a running of a cornerback four well? Well, to answer your second question, first of all, Eli can definitely be a cornerback four. He was a solid cornerback two last year. So I mean, if you if you just if we're just looking at a player on the field, you know, we're not looking at his Twitter, any of that, any of that business is not necessary. Um, yeah, Eli can definitely be a cornerback four, easily. Um now for your first question, um, Ladies and gentlemen, if you are not some draft people, I'd like to introduce you to one man, and one man I've been high on the entire time I've been watching him play, Andrew Booth, the cornerback from Clemson. Blake can confirm, I've been, like, absurdly high on him the entire process, and I still am. He's my cornerback. One, I got him as, what, like, the fourth or fifth highest graded player in the class. If we get Andrew Booth to 31, I don't care what happens to us the draft, I'm giving it an A+. Um, he's long. He's athletic. He plays physical. He breaks in the ball well. He's got great hands, great ball skills. And a loot, uh, an Umo, an Umo, what if he's not getting it right? Um, defense, he, he just causes problems. And cornerback is a pretty, like a bigger than most people would think, right? You know, the second day wasn't bad last year. You know, it wasn't horrible. But if, if, if Cheeto were to go down, or just to improve it in general, you know, your cornerback won on the outside, you know, like Apple. And Eli was installed as a cornerback four, but as a cornerback one, it, it gets quite dicey. So, cornerback is definitely a big need. I think Andrew Booth's a guy you look at. Uh, Roger and Curry's an outside outside shot. Um, he's from uh, Auburn. Later rounds, you look at, uh, of course, apparently one of Blake's main people, Kyler Gordon from Washington. Um, I like Daron Kendrick from Georgia a lot in the second round. So th- this is a good cornerback class. I really like this cornerback class. Uh, Trent McDevitt from Washington, he's another one that could be there in a in a round two. Maybe closer to round one than the round two, actually. McDevitt would be a round one type of guy. But any of the guys I just named would be pretty good as an outside corner, in my opinion. You know, I, I don't. I hear Kyrie Elam getting mocked to the Bengals a lot. I'm not too high on him personally. That's a conversation for another day. Um, 
But th- this is a good cornerback class to need a corner because this class has good corners down the line, if you're asking me. I mean, even, even beyond that, Alonzo Taylor, I know I don't like Tennessee at all, but Alonzo Taylor, you know, he's pretty good. Uh, Cam Taylor Britt's a guy I like. Shout out to Nathan. So there's definitely a lot of good options in this class. Uh, Taylor Britt's from Nebraska, by the way. Um, a lot of good options in this class. I- I'm personally pretty high on a lot of these corners. There's definitely a lot of options to, you know, be cornerback needy. Yeah, I mean, I think if I'm pinpointing where Cincinnati goes at 31, it kind of feels like corner's the first option, and I think what everyone's really hoping for right now, obviously. Uh, it really kind of feels like, you know, I love Andrew Booth as well. Both Will and I are huge fans of Andrew Booth. Uh, and we'll get into more of the prospect uh, breakdowns, you know, down the line, of course, that come draft time, of course. So we're going to talk about a lot of different draft stuff, hopefully, in this podcast the next couple of weeks. But, um, you know, big fan of, of Andrew Booth Jr. I think he's really good. I think Kyer Elam is a guy that, you know, we kind of differentiate on a little bit. I think Kyer Elam is one of the better corners in this class. Only led like 150 yards last year in the SEC, which is uh, tied for the second lowest that season, uh, of course, out of any corner. Was really impressed with how he tested. He's a big guy that can run really fast, has a pretty good lockdown potential if he's able to set up against a guy one on one and and play him deep. If he can, if he can beat those, if he, as long as he's not able to uh, have problems, you know, tackling down the line, of course. I think the biggest problem with Kyrie Elam's is aggressiveness, the lack of tackling he's able to uh, have against his opponent. You don't really see a lot of effort there occasionally. That has been a concern. I think both of us have really had with Elam for the most part. But mm-hmm. when it comes to coverage, especially deep, uh, he's a very good lockdown corner. It could be a really good compliment to, to Chidibe Wujie, if need be. And, of course, you already mentioned Kyler Gordon, Alante Taylor. I love Michael Wright from Oregon. I want to throw his name out there. I think he's a really good prospect. Josh Joby as well from Alabama. A lot of names, as you mentioned, out there that I think can definitely fill in a potential cornerback two spot. But if also need be, Eli Apple can definitely step into that role as well. I still <clears throat> wouldn't mind Cincinnati – going out there and just throwing a contract, maybe a Bryce Callahan or just a guy out there who can step into that role as well, because there's never really a guarantee that a rookie corner could be a reliable starter week one. That's a big ask, even for a first round pick in my opinion, but still regardless, I think it would be a really smart move and a, and a good idea, especially if you're able to land one of those great prospects, like Andrew Booth Jr., who I think is a top 10 guy in this class talent wise, that would be absolutely ideal, of course. So <clears throat> With that being said, let's hopefully add a corner uh, this this year. But I still think Eli Apple is a really good signing. I thought four years was pretty much perfect value for a guy like that, uh, based on what he did last season. So I was pretty pretty pleased with that signing as a whole. Um, let's get into the the next really big signing, uh, and, and we're talking about the re-signing of defensive tackle BJ Hill at three tech, of course, uh, for Cincinnati. So. Cincinnati kind of opts to choose B.J. Hill over Larry Ogunjobi, who did sign with the Bears and then was then, I guess, didn't agree to the deal. So he's still a free agent. But B.J. Hill resigns with Cincinnati on a three-year, $40 million deal. Or excuse me, three-year, $30 million deal now, as came out as. But 15 mil year one. He's making a pretty good contract for a guy that had, I believe it was seven and a half, eight and a half sacks last season. A very good season for Cincinnati and had that key interception against Kansas City. Yeah, you know, I am quite the B.J. Hill fan. Um, and I, every time we mention B.J. Hill, I just laugh at the fact that we got him for Billy Price and they give him the seventh round pick and the seventh. It's, it's just a Duke Tobin masterclass of a trade, in my opinion. Um, B.J. Hill, see, I, I like the front line on this contract because, again, I, I, I get I, – I'm up at night and I get afraid of the ever-loving potential doom of uh, T. Higgins, Logan Wilson, Joe Burrow, and Jamar Chase contracts. So – all front-loaded deals are deals that I'm fine with, right? So, uh, I'm quite a fan of this. Like I said, he had the huge INT in the uh, Chiefs game. I love BJ Hill. You know, is, is the D tackle position done, like you said? No, it's not done. I think it's still a little bit more debt to be had. Of course, Tyler Shovel will help that. Um, yeah, it, it's a great signing, you know, and he got less than what Ogun Joby would have got with the Bears had he passed his physical. And I, I think if BJ Hill isn't better, he's right there with Ogun Joby. No, no, that's not a slight to Larry and Joby. That's just saying B.J. Hill is pretty good. So, you know, I, I'm quite happy with B.J. Hill. You know, I mean, at the end of the Raiders game in the playoffs, he was out there just almost just dying because we just had nobody left. So m- maybe he got hurt. No, he was out there. He was out there. Um, So I, I'm happy with this signing. B.J. Hill, having him in stripes is just so perfect. And it was for Billy Price. Oh, what a good that, – that's such a great trade. I'm going to talk about that trade forever when I talk about Duke Tobin to my, my grandkids. That's such a great trade. 
just the fact that offensive linemen are so overvalued, I, I think, in trades. You know, we, we saw Larry Tunsil go for basically three first-round picks, of course, right? You know, there's a lot of value behind offensive linemen. And if for some reason the Giants thought it was a great idea to trade a promising defensive tackle who's just ready to break out. And a for, seventh. Yeah, and a seventh for a guy that is, you know, a free agent now. He's not even on the Giants anymore. Is he, so. Didn't that get me signed? Uh, I don't think so. I'm pretty. Oh, sure. well, now Giants fans feel about that one. I'm pretty sure he's still a free agent. You could look up that, make, make look that up and, and confirm it. But yeah, I haven't I'll, seen I'll that he's signed yet. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's basically just BJ Hill in a seventh for free, which is just magnificent on the part of Duke Tobin because you get your three tick of the future, of course. But I still think it needs to be said. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, I, I still definitely think a backup three takes a big need for this team. And another potential spot at 31 was Cincinnati could realistically go. Now, this year in the draft, it's a lot of nose tackles. You know, you have guys out there like Fidelia Mathis, Travis Jones, Jordan Davis, general nose tackles, guys that are really in the center uh, playing the one tech, maybe playing five tick occasionally. Not, not really true three tech type guys. Couple of names that I think are really intriguing. I think a lot of people really like right now. Devontae Wyatt from Georgia, a guy that I think a lot of people has he's risen up the boards for a lot of different scouts uh, throughout the throughout the last couple of months. Of course, had a really good combine that people were impressed with. Um, looked really good, of course, uh, as, as well. You know, just on film as a whole, uh, going through and, and watching what he did, he was very very promising. A lot of people. Uh, you know, maybe didn't give enough credit he deserved because Jordan Davis was always getting double teamed. So he had a lot of single one-on-one kind of uh, plays and, and pass rushing situations. But, man, he won a lot of those. And it's a really good Georgia defense. He's a big part of it. So I was really impressed with Devontae Wyatt's performance as well. Um, DeMarvin Leal, of course, from Texas A&M's guy. I'm still very high on. I think he could be a really good player. Still potentially in play for 31. But now it looks like he could possibly be, even be there at 63 as well. Um, there's a lot of – Devontae Wyatt? The Marvin Leal. Oh, I'm about to say, if Wyatt's there 63, I'd be stunned. No, no, no. no. Yeah, yeah. I, sorry. Wyatt's definitely going to be a first-round pick in my eyes. I think Leal has kind of fallen off a little bit uh, people's boards a little bit. People were uh, – scouts were saying that he might be a little bit overrated by the media right now. So, uh, rumors are it's possible to see around selection for DeMarvin Leal. Is this an can maybe get him round two? That would be amazing, right? Great backup three tech possibly for, for B.J. Hill. Um, you also got guys out there like um, – I think Perry on Winfrey could play three tech if need be. Not an ideal three tech, but still a guy that can play there if need be. Um, and, and Travis Jones, a kind of an edge rusher, but also could play on the interior as well. A pretty solid pass rusher for this team. Josh Pascal, uh, Kentucky Wildcat, oh, we're big fans of. I think another guy that's really in play there at three tech. You know, if he puts on some weight, he can get to the pat to the he can get to the uh, to the to the quarterback if need be. Could be a possible backup three tech. Could also be a guy that goes into as a five tech and a three four defense as Cincinnati already has. I think Pascal's a very possible option for Cincinnati there, and I really do think there's a lot of guys Cincinnati could be looking at possibly you know have the backup to bj hill for if they choose not to resign larry ogan joby which i should mention i think is still a very real possibility uh since i just lays out a one-year prove it deal yet again to larry ogan joby it's very possible that he returns yeah you know i feel like overall this offseason you look at you know the big the glass years which we'll get to in a little bit um i feel like the fair issue in general since the outside signs is really focused on the o-line um just the offense in general honestly because the o-line makes the offense run um, I feel like this draft, you're going to see a lot of defense, right? Like, honestly, I think we're uh, Quentin Spain to be signing away from going BPA the first three rounds, but that's what, and probably an offense, I mean, a tight end, but we'll talk about that when we get the bigger, deeper dive into the draft. But yeah, th- three tech is certainly, you know, something we need. I'm, I'm kind of surprised we didn't make an outside signing on the line. You know, I get, you know, size coming back and, you know, guys like Cam Sample last year showed some promise. Um, Hubbard improved as a pass rusher, but I, I, I'm just I'm just kind of surprised that, you know, when you look at major improvements to your D-line, you're banking on a rookie coming off a season-ending injury. Although, granted, he, he'll have more than enough time to recover. He tore his ACL in, uh, what, preseason? So, yeah, those high will be ready to go. And likely a, a day-two rookie. So, and again, the guy like the Marvin Leal is pretty perfect. You know, if you're going to 63, that's great value, in my opinion. Um, but it, it does kind of surprise me we haven't looked to more outside, you know, D-line help, you know. Look, I mean, look at our line. Chad Anderson came to the outside. Uh, DJ Reader came to the outside. Uh, who am I blanking on? Oh, Joby came from the outside. BJ came from the outside. Now, I'm not saying sign a big-name guy like that because we don't need one, right? You know, we, we have our 
our nice starting corner D line. You know, we, we don't need a big name, but a, a death guy would, would, would be nice. You know, I, I would appreciate it. But hey, uh, Duke Tobin has completely made me look foolish last two off seasons. So if, if we hit on our, you know, drafting defensive lineman, all right, uh, Duke Tobin eighty, me zero. You know, I, I, I'm cool with that. I'm cool being on again. I think the main problem with the defensive line right now is, I mean, it's not proven yet, right? A lot mm-hmm. of really Definitely. young players in the back of that that team that you really don't know if you can trust just yet. We've seen two seasons of college, Kareem, who looks to have some flashes here and there, but a couple of really big plays, most notable the huge strip sack on Drew Locke, of course, that kind of led the Bengals to win that game as a whole. Um, but, you know, hasn't really shown much despite that. A lot of penalties, a lot of kind of dumber plays that have been made throughout the throughout his couple of games that he's he's gone out and done, but has also done some really good things as well. So he's he's a he's a very solid you know, looks like looks like to be player, but just needs to make fix on some of those mental mistakes and you know, penalties that he has throughout this, the games. I think before we can really trust him to play real minutes. Look at Cam Sample, another guy that I thought really impressed actually his first year. All things considered, you know he, he's not he's not a dynamic pass rusher, um, but I think he's definitely going to be a guy that can come in and give you four or five sacks this season if need be. If he has to go out there and play, right? I think it's certainly possible that he can give you that. Uh, and, and that's going to be pretty solid value, I think, for Cincinnati in the fourth round, of course. And then you have guys like um, Joseph Osai, who's, of course, coming back from the really bad injury. Uh, we also see Wyatt Huber, I think a name that a lot of people forgot to mention. But we, we heard it throughout the draft last year. We said it multiple times on my, my Instagram page, I Stripe Hive Cincy. Wyatt Huber was a name that Cincinnati Bengals really, really liked. That was a guy that was a big, they were a big fan of and really wanted him through the draft process. They get him in the seventh round. I think he's still going to be in play to possibly be a guy that makes a 53-man roster this season. Um, so we'll have to see how he performs. Guys, got, got guys out there like, of course, still, you know, you have your bigger names. You have Sam Hubbard. Um, you know, you have um, – Trey Hendrickson, a lot of different guys down there on that defensive line, especially at edge. So it's a stack position because you want to keep a lot of those guys on your roster still. You could Josh Dupal, Tyler Shelvin, B.J. Hill, uh, of course, D.J. Reader on the interior. There's like 11 names I just listed there that can all make the roster realistically. But are those guys reliable enough to be backups? And I don't really know if that's the truth there with guys like Holly Kareem, Cam Sample. I don't know if you can trust him just yet. Even Joseph Osai, you know, he hasn't really played a full season. So would it be nice to possibly go out and get another kind of depth guy? I think it would be a great idea, especially a guy that has the interior versatility uh, potentially getting a guy that could play both the three tech and the edge. I think that'd be absolutely ideal, but of course we'll have to see what they do in free, the rest of free agency. I still, still think there's going to be some more signings being made, but as of right now, not too sure just yet. So we'll go ahead and move on for the defensive line talks. I still think there's a lot to be done there, but for now, I think it's a pretty good look. We, we at least have our starters and it's all that really matters right now. Um, we'll, we'll go over to the bigger signings and the glass eaters. The glass eaters. Very, very fun conversation that we need to have here because this is this is what the offseason was, right? You look at everything uh, that, that happened this offseason. This, this is the main event um, of what the Cincinnati Bengals did. And we see a lot of people, CBS Sports, PFF, create the Bengals as winners of free agency. And what was the biggest reason why? The three big signings Cincinnati made this offseason. Um, and to, to go along with one more that we'll talk about last for some reason because I don't really don't know why I just kind of did it in my head, but uh, uh, we'll talk about uh, Lyle Collins, of course, right tackle from the Dallas Cowboys, Alex Kappa, offensive guard from Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and uh, Ted Karras, the center from the New England Patriots. All three proven, really good starters that all joined this team, and now I think take the Bengals from having a bottom ten, bottom five offensive line in the NFL. So I think at least now middle of the pack, if not better. So now Joe Burrow finally, hopefully, has the offensive line he's been begging for since he came. To, to Cincinnati. You know, this, you know, I feel like people look at the Bengals, right? You know, and we all knew if you're an NFL team, you, I mean, just a fan in general, or of course the team, you knew the Bengals were hunting for offensive linemen, right? Um, I feel like some Bengals fans are kind of pan, well, not panicking, but you know, they're a little concerned at seeing these, these big names came to AFC, but like, look at these big names, you know, Chandler Jones, Vaughn Miller, Devontae Adams, Russell Wilson, like, I just I listed the quarterback. We have Joe Burrow already, right? I listed two edge guys, and we don't need to go big win on the edge. I listed the wide receiver, and we have you know the best receiving trio in the league. So we stuck with what we needed, and we did it perfectly with the offensive line. You know, Alex Kappa, he, he's a I call him a slightly above average guard. You know, and considering you know it was a turnstile in the interior last year, 
Um, above average is just what we need. That's perfect. We're fine with that. We don't need to go spend, you know, egregious amounts of money. Give, give me my above average for a good price, and we move. Um, Ted Karras, who <clears throat> you have touched on multiple times to me in uh, private, that he's just he's, he's versatile. I mean, you think that the Bengals will sell him at dinner, and I, I can agree with that. But, I mean, he's versatile. If, if the interior goes down with injuries, which last year the interior was just a revolving door of injuries and you get a start. You get a start. I mean, Trey Hill started, what, two games? That's, that just shows everything you need to know about the interior in terms of depth. Um, so just having a guy that can do a little bit of everything, even though you really don't want to have to move around all season, it's good, right? And Leo Collins. Let's let's touch on the big fish here, right? Um, this was probably my favorite sweepstakes I've ever seen. You know, you had fans finding him into the mall. Um, every Bengals supporter was just trying to find out what was going on about Collins. There's conflicting reports. We were all pretty confused, and finally we got him. And me and Blake, after St. Peter's ended our season, we sat here and we were just talking about the Bengals in general. And we were going through, uh, you know, right tackles where Collins ranks. And we concluded that he's in that top five range, right? And, you know, I know this offseason we all talk about Toronto Armstead, right? You know, Armstead's one of the best tackles in the league, came from the Saints. And the Miami gave him quite the, quite, quite the uh, large sum of money. A sum so large that we got out three guys, uh, Kappa, Karras, and Collins, for the same price as Armstead. So I don't know what's going to – I mean, Katie Blackburn having a little bit of more say has, you know, definitely helped things out in terms of spending. But, I mean, the, this team, they've just spent money so beautifully the last three years. It, it It's just beautiful. The, the money – and, of course, you know, we have almost time on offense. I'm sure Blake alluded to it. We'll get to it in about a few minutes. But I just love what we're doing with the offensive line. And I just think we should bring Quentin Spain back. You know, Trey Flowers, Quentin Spain on my two still really want to bring backs. But, I mean, even if we don't bring Spain back, it, if the Bengals have seen enough out of Jackson Carmen to believe that he's ready for a, uh, a league to start, well, I mean, I agree that right now, if they see something that I haven't seen, of course, they do practice different stuff. They see a lot of things that we don't see. That they like Carmen that much, and they think Frank Pollock can really get him into shape to start, let it happen, you know. If we really trust Carmen that much, I'm fine with it. Because we've improved in three positions. And Jonah Williams, I mean, I, I have a little bit of a take on him, but Jonah's fine, right? He, he's pretty he's pretty solid. So we've improved so much. If Carmen starts, oh, well, it is what it is. But it's just beautiful seeing us go out and dressing needs with, with the funds, with the money, with the uh, urgency. It's so, so beautiful. I mean, looking at it from left to right, you know, you got Jonah Williams at left tackle, a guy that I think, you know, you, you say is all right. I mean, I would say he's at least right now an average to above average left tackle. I think that's acceptable, uh, especially for what you have him on right now, not making a lot of money as a whole, still on a rookie contract, of course. So you have a guy in Jonah Williams who can at least have lockdown right now. You're not paying a lot of money. It could be a solid pass protector for Joe Burrow whenever needed. You look at left guard, of course, that's the biggest question mark you mentioned. Jackson Carmen, still maybe an outside chance, like you said. Maybe Quentin Spain um, goes to uh, re signs with the Bengals. Maybe also you can look at the draft as well. We see guys like Zion Johnson, the interior offensive lineman from Boston College. Um, that could be a potential pick at left guard, maybe at 31. Maybe you look at guys like Sean Ryan from UCLA, a, a guy Nathan, a good friend of ours, is a big fan of, of course. Um, maybe even um, guys on the outside like um, – Tyler Smith, I like. Yeah, Tyler Smith, of course. You know, you got a lot of different, very, very solid prospects uh, around that could could possibly be guys that fit into that team. Tyler Linderbaum, of course, from Iowa, maybe a, more of a center, maybe, but with the ability of for of Ted Karras to play really any of those interior positions, he could easily fit in that left guard if need be as well. Cincinnati has a chance to maybe fill out the offensive line through the draft, or if they want to go through the development route, you have. Deontay Smith, Jackson Carmen, Hakeem Adeniji, one of those guys is going to win one of those spots. You know, they have a good chance of winning one of those spots and being that left guard for the team. I really think that, you know, maybe they go the competitive route and just have those three guys who are all young, good potential players battle it out for that last spot. I think that'd be another solid idea. But 
you look at Jonah, Jackson Carmen, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, Lyle Collins. I really look at that right side of, of Karras, Kappa, Collins. I mean, that's a major upgrade from last season. You're looking at guys like Isaiah Prince, Hakeem Adenichi. Uh, you mentioned Trey Hill. Even Trey Hopkins uh, hadn't had the best of seasons last year. I mean, this is a huge upgrade. Each position is a huge upgrade. I, I said this um, – I, I said it in the group – in a good chat, group chat of ours a couple of days ago – uh, a couple of weeks ago, I guess, whenever they signed Alex Kappa, I said that was one of the biggest improvements on our position we've had through the free agency wire in a long time. Uh, Kappa over Hakeem Adidiji, of course, uh, was, a, was a big, big, big improvement. But now you look at the improvement from Raleigh Reef and Isaiah Prince to Lyle Collins, of course, and you're like, maybe that's not the case now. So you can argue Cincinnati has the two biggest improvements they've had in the last five, ten years on the offensive line this year already being a Super Bowl winning or a Super Bowl caliber team now after making the Super Bowl last season. So it's very, very impressive. You have two really good offensive linemen to match up with a great quarterback, a great wide receiver core. It's going to be dangerous. It's a really, really good roster. It's going to be very, very dangerous. I think if they're able to hold their – as long as the offensive line is able to glue together and hold their own. Yeah. It's just – like I said, we went out and we were just – I need to completely right. Um, you know – We'll, we'll look at the Super Bowl where we saw Isaiah Prince trying to check Aaron Donald in about, you know, three years' time. And we'll just sit back and think about, man, we really rolled that out. Like, we really had to sit there and witness that. Um, and, I mean, even from Reed Collins, like you said, it's just such a big upgrade. I mean, again, our line is, you know, the top five line in the league, right? But it, it doesn't need to be. We made the Super Bowl last year starting – I'm going to start on the playoffs, but at times starting Trey Hill – Hakeem Energy and Isaiah Prince, like we we made the Super Bowl with that, you know. Like I, I'm not trying to paint this picture that oh, you know, our line makes us so much farther above, you know, the AFC. We should expect to go to Super Bowl again. I'm not gonna say we're not, you know, we're not heading to those back by because AFC's stacked. It's stacked. But again, we addressed what we needed. We stuck within our range of what we needed. We didn't go out, you know, with all these extra signings. We stuck with what we needed to complete. Right? We got BJ Hill back on the interior, you know. We got back some cornerback depth. We signed offensive linemen. The free agency goes to free agency. It's far from over. There's still, I can't remember last time there's been this many good players in the pool this far in free agency. Um, there's still a lot of talent out there. Now, I don't think the Bengals look for any of it, right? But in terms of just depth signings or bringing back guys like Trey Flowers or Quint Spain or whoever, um, there, there's definitely, you know, some maybe some more signings to be made. But as of right now, I mean, I, I think we've played this offseason almost perfectly. We, we've stuck with what we needed. We, we signed our big guys. And, you know, with franchise tag Bates, he's back for at least another year. We bought us some time. And that's that. And, you know, now you got the draft. And, of course, we still – we made another signing on the tight end spot down trip like we'll allude to in a second. But I, I think going into the draft, we're in a really good spot to really improve our team and just – just then just go BPA from there at, at a whole lot of depth. So uh, I, I want to credit myself here because I don't really think I lined this up beautifully because, uh, you know, we, the Bengals go out and sign one more guy that we're going to talk about real quick. But also, well, after that, we're going to get on to our goodbyes, and that's where I think a good transition comes in. So last signing, Hayden Hurst, of course, tied in from the Atlanta Falcons. One year, $3.5 million deal. He will be the team starting tight end, and you know what that means, Will. One of our fan favorites. Oh, man. One of our favorite tight ends, I think. Uh, everyone loves him. Uh, was a leader of this team, really the vocal leader, one of the biggest players in the Bengals. Was it was a big part of our was our, of our run this year. Had a really good season, uh, of course. CJ Uzama uh, is now a New York Jet. Will no longer be with the Bengals. So the Bengals add Hayden Hurst, who's a really good talent, still very young. I think has a lot of heart. I really, really like Hayden Hurst as a prospect. I thought he was really good, a, a first round pick from to Baltimore. Um, you know, unfortunately for him, he played with Mark Andrews for a while. You know, ended up having to get traded to the Falcons. He used him as tight end one one season, played really, really well. And then they drafted Kyle Pitts, of course, and now he was put back on the back burners. Comes to Cincinnati now on a one-year deal, prove-it deal probably. Might be the team starting tight end. I still think there's still a big need at tight end now without Uzama. You know, you really don't have a lot of guys behind him that you can trust. I'm not a big Drew Sample guy. I'm not a big Mitchell Wilcox guy. I'm not even a big Thaddeus Moss guy. I really don't know if any of those three guys are really reliable backups for you. I really, really think maybe uh, to, through the draft, kind of makes a lot of sense. But also, Hayden Hurst is a good stopgap that can take the Bengals through an extra year of tight end, and hopefully they can find their future guy down the line. Yeah, you know, seeing CJ, you know, I'm happy for CJ. You know, he, he got a bag, but I mean, he went to the Jets. 
the Blake. It's the Jets. The Jets took my tight end, Blake. It was the Jets. It wasn't even a good team. It wasn't, you know, the Chargers. It wasn't the, the, the Packers. You know, it wasn't, you know, any other competent franchise. It was the Jets. And then they signed Tyler Coughlin. Another tight end. Like, oh, man. this It, it played out horribly for me. But I, I'm happy CJ got his bag. But on the Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst for $3.5 million a year is great value because CJ got $8 million a year. Um, and, again, there's tight ends in this class. You know what I'm saying? Chad McBride from Colorado State, he's by far my tight end one. Um, Isaiah, like, close to, Isaiah Likely, excuse me, from Coastal Carolina. like him a lot. Uh, Jelani Woods from Virginia, I like him a lot. So there's definitely some 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 tight ends in this class. You know, there's no generational Kyle Pitts in this class, and generational tight ends don't come around often. Even then, we're not on the spot to jab them. We're at 31. Uh, being good at football does that to, to, uh, to a team. Um but I, I you know, I, I'm good with uh, Hayden Hurst. Like you said, he really never got, you know, a sole, you know, tight end spot. One year he did in Atlanta, he was pretty good. And even this year, he probably won't get one. I assume we'll draft somebody with a relatively solid pick. Um, probably not a first round pick at all, but, you know, maybe around two pick if McBride's there. You know, likely around three you look at. Uh, Woods later on in the draft. So he won't have four reign, right? But depending on who we draft, unless it's McBride or maybe likely. I think you see a lot of Hayden Hurst this year. And Hayden Hurst, his best season is better than CJ's best season, right? Which was this last season. And that, again, that's not, I would have a slander CJ. Let's not get that twisted. This is not CJ slander. But it's, it's just pointing, wait, do we play the Jets next year? We, we play Jets next year, don't we? I don't think so. I thought we played the AFC East. Oh, uh, you might be right. I'm not too sure. I'll oh my God, CJ's there. coming back to Cincinnati. <laughs> All right. Um, but, anyways. Um, so yeah, I, I'm happy with Hayden Hurst. I'm happy for the value we got him from. You know, I wanted OJ Howard, but I, I, I'll take Hayden Hurst. He, he's a good consolation prize. I'm cool with that. Um, I mean, it'll just be. We don't need a good tight end, right? We need a solid tight end, one that just doesn't drop everything. You know, you look at Drew Sample. We don't need a Drew Sample. You know, we'll take a Hayden Hurst. Just secure a blanket for Burrow. Make some plays after the catch, and that's all we need. And for 3.5 million, yeah, we got it. Yeah, w- without a doubt. You know, I mean, it's, it's going to be a. A good stopgap signing, like I said, a guy that's going to be coming in and hopefully giving you the exact same value you got from Uzama, right? Is is Hayden Hurst a downgrade since you Uzama? I really don't think so. You oh, can argue yeah. either way. It's a, it's probably even talent wise, and and the three the difference between eight million three years deal to a three and a half one million year deal is, is a big difference, right? Cincinnati saves. $5 million in cap space pretty much uh, making this signing maybe allows him to go out and re-sign Eli Apple. So there is a question of whether or not you would have Hayden Hurst and Eli Apple or just CJ Uzama. I know, you know, it tugs to everyone's heartstrings, but financially it makes a lot of sense to do this. Uh, and I, like I said, I like what you're mentioning, you know, Trey McBride from Colorado State, Isaiah Likely uh, from, uh, of course, Coastal Carolina, Jelani Woods from Virginia. You also got guys like Grant Dulcich, from UCLA, I, got, I like a lot. Jeremy Rucker from Ohio State. There are going to be loads of tight ends in this draft that I like a lot. Through rounds two, three, and four, you can get another guy to add to that tight end group and hopefully make a good core of guys that can help block and pass catch for Joe Burrow, as well as that fourth option on the team, of course, really fifth option, Joe Mixon out there as well. So not going to ask a lot from him, but still could be good contributors for your squad, hopefully, and help you lead to another Super Bowl down the line. So with that being said, let's talk about who the Bengals all lost, of course. CJ Uzama, we already mentioned, is now gone as a Bengal. Auden Tate, wide receiver, signs to the Atlanta Falcons. Darius Phillips, cornerback, of course, signs to the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, not entirely sure who else is on that list right now. I know Larry Joby was, was signed, but then ended up, of course, uh, not being signed. So he's still a free agent. We still have guys like Quentin Spain out there, still a free agent. I believe that's it. The Bengals have only lost three players currently, officially. Um, and the rest are still up for grabs right now. Um, I know Tate, Darius Phillips, uh, and, um, of course, CJ Uzama all had great moments in Cincinnati, all had some – I think everyone at one point was excited about one of those three guys for sure. Um, what are your thoughts on losing those three players? Do you think it's uh, big losses? What, what are your thoughts on uh, – uh, of course, you already mentioned Uzama early, so Auden Tate and, and Darius Phillips, you know, losing those guys aren't ideal. What do you think about it? Um. <clears throat> You know, Auden Tate, he definitely had his had his shine in Cincinnati, right? Um, probably, you know, 
in terms of top five receivers every preseason, Arden Tate's like right there on the list. I, I mean, Arden Tate in the preseason was just <laughs> a, a monster, right? Um, and when, we had that one year where he had a step into a wide receiver too. Well, he definitely, uh, definitely played well, right? Um, I, I'm happy to get some shine, right? You know, Arden Tate. You know, for a team like Atlanta that desperately needs any receiver that can catch the football, you know, taking a flyer guy like Arden who doesn't really separate great, but he occasionally shows some flash and. He's got a great catch rate. He's got strong hands. So taking a flyer on a guy like Auden Tate, you know that that's definitely good. You know that's good for Atlanta. Uh, I'm happy he got. Was it was it a one year deal or two year deal? I believe it's one. Yeah, I'm not too, I'm not too sure. But see, that's all he needs though. All, all he needs is a chance. I'm cool with Auden Tate getting a chance. So I'm happy for him. Um, for my selfish fancy reason, I, I hope he he shines, just becomes an absolute star in Atlanta. Um. On Darius Phillips, um, honestly, after the uh, uh, 49ers game, I knew that was it for him. I, I think it's been a long time coming. Um, he can still give a team some solid cornerback depth. So uh, Vegas got a, got a solid corner. They got some solid depth by Darius Phillips. But, you know, neither one of these moves really hurt us that much. I mean, I think we'll be found without DP. And, of course, Auden Tate, you know, we might need a fourth receiver that can actually catch. You know, it's not a special teams guy. But, I mean, Auden Tate, you know, we, we never really needed him. So, I mean, I, well, I'm not sure we never needed him, but we didn't need him to be a be a big role like he will be in Atlanta. Um, so, yeah, well, I, I'm fine losing these guys, you know. Hopefully they do great, but I, I'm just so pleased with the offseason. I just really couldn't be bothered to be mad about it. Yeah. Also lost Fred Johnson uh, off the tackle slash guard, went to, I believe, Carolina. The oh, sorry, the Tampa. Tampa, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Sorry, Tampa. Wrong NFC South team. R- yes, wrong NFC South team. Yes. Uh, so, Fred Johnson, along with the team. So, Bengals lose four guys, add three glass seaters and Lyle Collins, <laughs> Alex Kappa, Ted Harris, <laughs> add Hayden Hurst at tight end. Of course, I were to re sign BJ Hill, re sign Eli Apple, re sign Jesse Bates, some key starters on this team that played a lot of time here since the. Um, so, Bengals are able to, you know, get four new guys, lose four guys. And resign a couple of really big key pieces. So, give me your overall thoughts and grade on this uh, current free agency period. What are your thoughts, and where do you think Cincinnati needs to look towards to now and the rest of free agency and potentially onto the draft? Um, for the overall grade, I'm gonna give it an A. And if we get Spain and Flowers back, I'm giving it an A plus. That's the only thing something from going with the, the full A plus. I mean, like I said, we didn't spend unnecessary money like a certain other team there. FC did <laughs> Chargers. Um. <laughs> we stuck with what we, we stuck with what we needed, right? We stuck with what we uh what we what we knew, you know, just just our big needs and of course our big in-house guys. Um so I'm pretty happy with it. Um I mean now I I, I would really like to sign a veteran um three tech or just any defensive lineman. But but then again, last time I said that our, our young linebacker core just showed they just didn't need a veteran at all. So maybe this is that, just part two over on the on, in the trenches. Um would like to sign a corner, not not a, not a good corner, maybe like a, a just a just speed corner. You know, it's like let me play Madden, and you go and you just sort by speed and sign the first corner you see, something like that. Not particularly <laughs> great, but just like that's just really fast, right? Just to get some speed out there. Um, but besides that, I mean, like I said, I like to bring back Trey Flowers, Quentin Spain, but I, I'm pretty satisfied. You know, I, I think most of our needs can be addressed in the draft. You look at tight end. Uh, maybe a gadget receiver for type of guy can be adjusting the draft. A cornerback can be adjusting the draft. Um, a whole lot of great edge talent this year, you know, in the draft. So, I mean, I, I'm pretty satisfied going into the draft. You know, I mean, I don't have any complaints. Yeah, I mean, I, I really think the overall goal was reached this offseason, and that was to finally give Joe Burrow an offensive line. So, you accomplished that without question. That That has been completely accomplished, and you're good. Offensive line is hopefully figured out now. Maybe a left guard comes in as well and joins. Uh, I'm not too sure on that. Like you said, I would love to just re-sign Quentin Spain. But right now, I think Joe Burrow has his protection. And just because of that single thing, I don't care if the rest of the team had gotten worse, had gotten better. I think we have improved elsewhere as well. But overall, just because of what we did to the offensive line, I think this grade's automatically an A for this offseason. I think what you did was ideal for Joe Burrow. You wanted a guy like Lyle Collins, who was a great pass or a great run blocker, but also a capable pass protector. Ted Karras, a very, very good, I think, uh, rotational guy, has been a, a very good versatile player that can pass protect and run block when needed. Alex Kappa has been an above average guard throughout his career with Tampa Bay, which, of course, a part of a Super Bowl winning team, of course. 
at right guard. So I think you you have added a lot of big time key pieces to this line to protect Joe Burrow and to get Joe Mixon some better running lanes. And then this will this will really make the rest of the offense perform at a higher rate, higher than what they already were. We're talking about Joe Burrow having at least two more seconds in the pocket. And that's going to be huge for different games for Joe Burrow to be able to have that one extra progression, that one extra second to throw the ball deeper. I think Joe Burrow being more comfortable in the pocket can lead to him being even more sharp and better. And that's going to lead to more wins for the Cincinnati Bengals as a whole. So without a doubt, love what what the Bengals did here. I'll give it an A as well. Good luck arguing on Chase more than like three seconds. Let's talk about the, the top five Bengals needs right now, heading into the rest of free agency in the draft. We already mentioned corner, three tag. I think we both agree on. What are your other three? And I'll give you my three as well on top of that. Okay, so besides three tag and corner, right? Okay, so besides that, um, I think tight end is definitely – this is in order, by the way. I'm kind of just spitballing here. Tight end, I think, is up there, right? Um, definitely, I think, of, of gadget receivers up there, right? You know – we don't really have a gadget guy, you know what I'm saying? Kind of like a who's a good example. I'm I'm just kind of thinking of here. Who's a good gadget? Um, <laughs> Wandale Robinson. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was in my guys are in the league, but yeah, Wandale definitely does a job. You know, Isaiah pretty, McKenzie. Isaiah, Isaiah McKenzie. There you go. Perfect yeah. one. Gadget um, guy. We're just like not even like like absurdly great value. Like just just a guy that would Debo well. You know what I'm saying? That's a little bit of everything, right? Um, I mean, you can find those deep in a draft, you know, Wandale would be pretty, pretty spectacular. Um, but we'll get to that later. Um, and for the third one, I would just proxy alone of not losing Ricardo Allen, probably a third safety to kind of just do a little everything like Ricardo did. I, I think top five around your top five. Yeah, I, I like that. I think both of us, like I said, we, we agree. Corner, three tech, I think it's the first priority right now, whether it's in the draft or free agency. I think you need to add, almost certainly need to add one player at either of those positions, at both of those positions, in order for me to be able to be comfortable throwing those guys out on the field. I would like to add maybe even two, maybe even three corners with the team only having, I think, seven guys in the active roster right now. Uh, you need to get some more guys. So I would love to get Trey Flowers back. I would love to draft a guy. I would even like to go out and get, like I said, a Bryce Callahan or Steven Nelson, potentially, if they go out there and sign him. I would like one of the for some of those things to happen because I think they need to fill out that cornerback room depth-wise. I also think, like you said, three-tech. You look at you know B.J. Hill, great player, need to get a good backup to him. So I think both those positions need to be added to. And then – my other three, I think, would be left guard. I still think there's a still potential need there at left guard, even though it might not be the biggest need anymore. I still think it would be nice to have a complete offensive line of Joe Burrow. I don't want Jackson Carmen to be a liability to this team. I think he's a good enough player to where that wouldn't be the case, but I do still worry because he had some problems last season. Um, wasn't perfect. Wasn't bad either. It was kind of mediocre. Um, but I do think getting maybe a guy like Zion Johnson or any other left guard to compete there would be a nice addition as well. And then I look towards, of course, I really like the idea of adding another tight end. As you mentioned, I really, really like um, Isaiah Likely and Trey McBride, my two favorite guys in this class, of course. I, I think Greg Dulcich can be a good player. Jeremy Rucker already mentioned a lot of the guys are there. I like a lot on the tight end group that we will talk about down the line, hopefully, as potential options for the Bengals as well. And then last but not least, of course, I, I think personally, uh, like you said, a gadget guy at wide receiver would be another really good addition. I really, really like Calvin Austin from Memphis. I like Wendell Robinson from Kentucky a lot. There's a lot of really fun guys in that draft that I think could be really good additions to the squad. It just really depends on what round Cincinnati's willing to take another receiver in because are you going to spend a top three? You know, are you going to spend a day one, day two pick on a receiver? I doubt it. You're probably looking towards round four or five. Potentially <laughs> that, would, that wouldn't be a bad idea. That'd be fun. I would enjoy that greatly. I think the biggest name I want to watch out for right now is Vilas Jones Jr., also from Tennessee, uh, a guy that I like a lot. He's a gadget guy. He runs a very, very fast – I believe he ran a 4-2-8 or – maybe he's a little bit slower than that. Like it, it, was, it was somewhere in that high 4-3, low 4-2 range. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, very, very impressive uh, what he ran in the, in the in the combine. Of course, I think he's got a pretty good chance of making it up to around 4 or 5 for the Bengals, maybe if they would go there, I think. Uh, also, I have that returning capability as well. Vila's show would be very, very enticing for Cincinnati. But, um, yeah, that, that's about it. It's our free agency so far. So, more signings will probably be made down the line, of course, to talk about them whenever that all happens. But that's the recap of what has happened so far in free agency. We both love the moves. We think the Bengals have gotten better as a whole. Hopefully, this leads to more wins. And 
next week we'll talk about some NFL draft stuff, I think. I think that's where we're going to start getting into the draft stuff because Will and I are avid NFL scout fans, uh, avid, avid NFL draft fans, of course. And this is uh, our time to shine, Blake. Yes, it's gonna be a lot of fun, and I will be going to Vegas live to recap the NFL draft, of course. So I got to talk about it. I got to talk about all the prospects. We'll talk about what we think the Bengals should do in the NFL draft this coming year. Maybe do some mock drafts down the line. We're gonna have a lot of stuff to cover. What are your final thoughts, Will? Are you excited about the NFL draft? I am. I'm so excited. I'm just, just you know, looking at all these pictures, like, ah, oh, you know, maybe what if some guy just randomly pops up and becomes, you know, just a, a creep keep on our team for years? And like, you know what? And, and if you call it, if you call it, man, if you call like a fifth round pick and like a third contract extension, whoo, you feel like the man, the absolute man. So I'm quite excited for the draft. Who is the one prospect you're going to live and die talking about this year? Um, well, that I'll, I'll go besides Booth. That's the guy one guy. That's kind of boring. Um, definitely, ah, oh, man. I'm a, I'm going to spew a lot of Darion Kendrick propaganda, quarterback from Georgia. I'm going to spew a lot of his propaganda. Tariq Woolen supremacy over here. Big fan of the fast corner from UTEP. I think he's going to be a beast. Uh, hopefully we'll see though. We're, we're going to talk about the draft a bunch. We'll talk about more about three cool, uh, wool and some Darion Kendrick talks, maybe at corner, uh, down the line, but yeah, thank you guys so much for joining. Make sure you follow our socials at stride pipes since on Instagram at Blake Jude 714 on Twitter. Keep up to date with all my Bengals news and all NFL news as a whole on my Twitter as well. And go follow William at who underscore all day on Instagram at William C James 23 on Twitter. I memorized it. I've got it down now. There you go. Uh, look, 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 you're getting, getting the outro ready and all situated. Got it down. Even, yeah, e- even though we've been on like a four-month hiatus, we're still getting it down. Host so. of the year. This three Oscar nominee. <laughs> we'll, we'll be back next week, hopefully, to talk about the NFL draft and all that has to be, has to be done. So, thank you guys so much for joining. And have a wonderful day. <laughs>